Today's podcast is sponsored by FFPC. You can check them out at myffpc.com, myffpc.com. Although they are a paid sponsor, they are legitimately my favorite platform to play on, uh, particularly their high stakes redraft leagues, the Football Guys Players Championship, or the main event. Uh, they also offer high stakes dynasty leagues. They've been doing this since like 2016. They have over 1,000 dynasty leagues, and they've yet to have a single league full. That's that's perfect if you have a similar strategy to like me, where you know you you punt year one, maybe punt year two, and then you try and win year three and beyond. Uh, so you could really test the limits with that sort of approach. And there's no risk of the league folding if you built a juggernaut and all the team owners complained and wanted to quit the league. So that is great. Again, FFPC, that's myffpc.com. And you can check out the link below in the podcast subscription to claim $25 off your first entry. It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Points live stream. We have a Dynasty startup show today. And uh, we've been coordinating this one for a little bit, so I'm happy, happy we got this uh, together here. But before we uh, jump into any Dynasty talk here, I want to make sure I introduce both of these guys. Uh, first and foremost, I'm Nick Scrape. Uh, I have Scott up top here with me. Scott, I, I know this, this past month you've been busy as hell. Uh, this strength of schedule series for every position you dropped. Uh, I know you did the Dynasty rookie rankings early May, a bunch of live shows. My, my big question is, did you get to uh, relax at all this Memorial Day weekend? Um, maybe a little bit. I've, I've actually been working on, uh, an underdog best ball strategy guide, uh, mostly on the tournaments. And I think I've found some unique, interesting edges that the public isn't totally aware of just yet. So be on the lookout for that. And tomorrow night, Graham and I have a very special live stream. We're calling it worst take. It's basically a first take style player debate where we each argue for and against the player as obnoxiously as possible. I'm going to be uh, Scott A. Smith. He's going to be Skip Barfless. So uh, be on the lookout for that. It's going to be really fun, really funny. And, and this is something in the Discord that uh, Scott seems pretty pretty amped up about, so I think that's going to be a great show. Something different, always like something like that. And uh, below us here, uh, TJ, obviously, big fantasy football guy. I know you play with with Scott in uh, in a league, and we'll we'll talk about that Anyways. a little bit later on. And uh, I know you you also hopped in the uh, the fantasy points draft night show with us before, and uh, you've also been dropping some articles yourself. Uh, ATS dot uh, UFC and NBA prop betting. So TJ, uh, what's what's up, man? How, how's it going? Man, I'm doing well. I'm actually pretty excited for this. You know, uh, the past year or two, I've kind of transitioned. To everything's gambling base so it's kind of fun to go back and do a fantasy show and enjoy it 
Absolutely. And uh, what we got going on today is a dynasty startup show. I feel like it's it's kind of that time of year, uh, that in-between of just had rookie drafts, just had the NFL draft, still waiting on redraft season. So we have a bunch of people that are actually starting up uh, some some startups for dynasty leagues. And uh, we'll talk about some strategies and uh, some topics related to that today, um, how, how, how this works. Uh, so a dynasty league, you think about a redraft league, if, if you're not familiar, uh, it's, a, it's a redraft league basically that carries over year to year. Uh, after the year, each team gets rookie draft picks based off of how everybody's performances go. Benches are typically a bit deeper, uh, bigger draft as well. So having a type of strategy for these startup drafts is pretty important. So um, Scott, anything to add for what a startup is exactly, and 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 more importantly, why why should somebody do a dynasty league if they only have played in redraft leagues throughout their their fantasy football careers? Yeah, P- early on uh, when I was in early in the industry, people tried to sell me on a dynasty league, and it just didn't sound super fun to me. Where you have the same roster every year, and you only draft rookies. I, I don't know, but TJ was the the guy who really got me into dynasty. Uh, and and really addicted to it. It's it's quickly become one of my favorite formats. Uh, there's, I think it's easier to win. I think it's easier to game, easier to dominate. And we'll we'll discuss the optimal strategies, but it's just it's just so much fun. And it's one of those things where you you kind of have to do it yourself to uh, really uh, appreciate it. the The best part of any fantasy league is drafting, and and in a dynasty startup draft. Like nothing compares to that because like it's so massively important because you do keep these guys for ideally forever. Uh, the first ever league I was a part of, TJ was uh, the commissioner, and TJ at this point had been a dynasty pro, dominating, and he has like maybe forty leagues, and he's in first place in all forty. It was like pretty crazy, and so I went, I went win now and win later. So I, I drafted some old guys late, but I drafted a bunch of young guys early, and I like really thought I was, I was poised to, to smash. And I made, I made the playoffs every single year, only one at once. TJ, I think won last year and is going to win for the next nine years going with this differing strategy. And I already saw the way his, his team was, was heading in that direction. So uh, I joined a number of leagues with TJ as my co-partner and <clears throat> we've been really extremely dominant in every single one of those leagues where it's, Generally, it goes like this. Year one, we lose and finish. We, ideally, we finish last, but like we end up drafting too good. So we like finish sixth. And we're like, you know, like we wanted this year the 101 to draft Brees Hall, but we finished a little too good for that. Um, but next year, you know, year two, we dominate. Either we win it all or we come damn close. And then year three and beyond, we, we dominate for a long time. Uh, TJ, anything to add on anything I just said? Oh, yeah, you're covering. Uh, these questions are going to come back up again. On uh, we're going to be able to go into further depth. Uh, but uh, I, the the initial question from Nick there was, you know, why Dynasty? I guess it's like, well, why is a seven season show better than a two hour movie? You know, uh, you're getting to the much deeper depths of everything you're doing, whether it be drafting, trading, uh, using the waiver wire. Just every aspect of fantasy football, every strength, weakness, it's compounded over time. So it's a lot more fun that way to me. And I, and I think, you know, so, some complaints with redraft, obviously redraft's probably still a lot bigger than the amount of people that play in Dynasty. But 
you know, you hear some complaints about, you know, inactivities and leagues and people not really into it. Dynasty kind of forces you to be all in with this. I mean, with the waiver wire and, and structuring your, your, your team year to year. And uh, the other beauty about dynasty leagues is that if the three of us are in a league, the way we draft, the way we trade, uh, the way we structure a team is, is probably all different. And I think that's what makes uh, the leagues great. And when looking at dynasty leagues, there's, there's a real quick, of- I, I will just say, like at its best, Dynasty is, is far and away the most fun fantasy format. But at its worst, it's also probably the worst. Like if you're in a league that falls in three years, like that's horrible. TJ and I have built juggernauts and then the commissioner folds the league or tries to, and then we'll try and bring more people in. Or if you're in a league where uh, with, with people who don't trade a lot, uh, that stinks. Like the workaround TJ and I have found for that is, is converted to a best ball league. Uh, that kind of helps a little bit, but um, yeah. So, so really you want owners who are very active, very attentive and ideally are great trash talkers. Like that's our favorite thing is TJ and I are excellent trash talkers who trash talk vigorously. Like the best league I'm in is, is my league. I call it the DFB invitational that has Matthew Berry in it, reach rebar, Evan Silva, Pat Thorman, uh, a bunch of DFS pros, a um, bunch of dynasty pros, a bunch of redraft pros, and everyone is cares so much, and everyone trash talks. So that's like by far my favorite league now at this point. I think it's having a good league where where you you know how the activity is going to be, you know the people in the league goes goes a long way because you know you shouldn't shy away from picking up an orphan team or playing in a league with people you don't know, but having that group of people that you are kind of familiar with. Like I, I, I have a home dynasty league. We had our draft like two weeks ago, the rookie draft, and it was like a big party. And that's kind of hel- helps the league uh, prolong on. And, and, you know, I've also played in some leagues where I, I really didn't know anybody. And, you know, again, nothing against that, but uh, I, I think it's awesome when you can go in knowing the types of players people are and that they're, they're all in for it. Yeah. And, and as I alluded to earlier, I, I do think if you nail the startup with an optimal strategy, uh, it could be the easiest format to play. And what helps is knowing your co- your owner's tendencies, the, the fellow owners in the league. And so we, we had Evan Silva in the league, and we know he's like typically not the most patient dynasty owner. And then we had a, n- a number of DFS uh, pros like El Jefe, Jeff Collins is, is maybe the most profitable DFS player over the past three seasons. And uh, guys like that, Davis Maddock, uh, the siege and, and, you know, we, we were thinking like these guys probably aren't going to have a lower time preference. These guys are probably going to treat it like DFS and try and win now and want a top heavy build stars and scrubs. And so we just loaded up on their rookie picks and, and we won that league last year and we're poised to, to dominate for a long time. All those guys, by the way, are, are great players, but some of them I, I did think had uh, too high of a time preference in the startup. But uh, anyway, the uh, funnest thing about that league yeah. is that it doesn't need to be, but I believe it's going to be everyone's lowest dollar buy-in, but everyone cares so much. So, so they it goes to show so you, you get the right people together in the competitive nature takes over. Everyone wants to win that. So TJ, uh, so as far as formats go, I mean, there's, there's 10 team leagues, 12 team leagues, one quarterback, super flex where you're, if you're not familiar, you can start two quarterbacks, just a listener. Um, IDP there. I mean, the list is long of types of dynasty leagues people can play in. Do you have a preferred 
format uh, personally? Yeah. So as far as uh, positional starters go, super flex or two quarterback guys, absolutely head and shoulders. I mean, it just essentially stops you from taking one position and completely devaluing it as happens in one QB. I mean, you're talking about the difference where Patrick Mahomes is in the conversation of being the one-on-one and Josh Allen are in the conversation to being the overall one-on-one and super flex to now they're going 80, 90 picks deep into a startup. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit there, but uh, it, it really completely makes another position worthwhile and makes it a lot more fun. I think tight end premium is, is vital. Um, because if you don't have tight end premium, it's not those studs get helped that much by tight end premium, and they do, but it brings another group of 6 to 12 to 18 players at the position into relevance yeah. where otherwise you wouldn't have that. Uh, I like deep, deeper rosters. I like deeper starting lineups. And when I say deeper, I mean my preference is 35 to 40-man rosters. So, uh, And 10 to 12 starters. Uh, I actually have one league where we have 13 starters. So, you know, there's just – more is better, I guess, is the way I see everything in uh, in Dynasty. And auctions, I mean, even rookie auctions, uh, those are fun. Uh, anyone that's not familiar with the Kitchen Sink League, now those are fun. That brings in contracts. It brings in a rookie auction, a restricted free agent auction, a Debbie auction, an unrestricted free agent auction. Uh, and it, it, it is truly in-depth. Uh, Ryan McDowell runs those. If you don't follow him, check him out. You can learn about kitchen sink leagues. Um, but th- there's going to be someone for everyone. So no matter what your preference is, take a look around. You'll find something you like. Yeah, I'll just say uh, the way I structure all of my leagues, and uh, people have seem to copy this and prefer this format, is super flex, tight end premium, very deep rosters. Uh, ideally, you can start more than... 10 players every week. 10 is like a fine number, but maybe maybe 12 would be even better. Um, and uh, as I alluded to earlier, like different formats are easier to game. I think I think best ball is actually really easy to game. We'll talk about that. But um, TJ was mentioning one QB, non-tight end premium, and that the strategy for, I think, is, is really easy. You know, like that was what the Fantasy Points Dynasty League was. And so I just full-on punted... QB and I full on punted tight end and I took zeros hoping to finish dead last in year one and then figure out the rest later. Um, instead, I accidentally, you know, uh, scooped up Justin Herbert off waivers, which he never should have been in waivers. But anyway, I, I easily w- won the league in year two. Uh, just uh, my wide receivers are Stefan Diggs, Jerry Judy, Keenan Allen, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Deontay Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, running backs are Najee Harris, Saquon Barkley, quarterback is Justin Herbert, traded like a round two pick for Noah Fant, so got that covered. But I just like dominated the league. And it's a little bit trickier to do that in Superflex, although that is typically my strategy is where I'll either punt quarterback, which is even more risky, or full-on punt running back, where I'm like legitimately drafting zero running backs. I'm just taking zeros hoping to get the next year 101. So like this year I got Brees Hall and it's like, okay, good. And I have some more rookie picks. So I'll, I'll trade those for a solid RB2 or really good RB2. And now my team's immediately dominant. Um, so again, yeah, uh, one QB non-tight end premium, just uh, you're going to want to full on punt QB and, and tight end. But uh, uh, the, the way we structure it 
it, there's it, there's more parity and it's uh, more competitive, more fun. You can definitely add just more and more to the startup and how the league is going to be, and it makes the startup draft even more complex in the way that you trade more complex. I'm in a home dynasty league that we have a full full offense, full defense, so it's IDP. In the way that we did our rookie draft uh, this this um, for this past draft, it was interesting to see who who jumped on what and where guys fell. Uh, the one the 101 of the NFL draft went in the late third round. It was it was, it was interesting to see uh, that and. Um, you know, people who are brand new, so people who are brand new, they're going to do their first startup. If you were to tell them, you know, here, here's a good way to prep because, you, I mean, the way we tell somebody to prep can be a long, lengthy response. It can be generic. But if somebody were just to come up to you and ask and say, hey, I, you know, it's my first one. I'm unsure of what to do to be ready for this. Uh, TJ, what comes to mind? What's what's something you can tell somebody? Because that, that's, that's probably uh, – something for a lot of people right now saying, Hey, I played redraft for 10 years, but going into this, you know, long-term thing, what do I do to get ready? Well, do some research, understand uh, what ballpark expectations are going to be. Make sure you have uh, at least some sort of reasonably current average draft position. Uh, Make sure you understand the scoring system that your league is going to use. So you understand where you can take advantage or avoid certain players because of uh, those scorings or settings. Um, but I just truly have understanding the value of players or ballpark value of players in terms of market. That's going to be the biggest thing going in. You know, I, like Scott said, if you're in one QB, no tight end premium, and you take a quarterback in the first round, you know, it, it's happened. People have done that. They joined the Dynasty League because their redraft league overvalues quarterback scoring and I mean not that they're doing the right thing anyway but you know then you see three four quarterbacks go in the first round where I'm sure we've all seen that happen well now they're going to carry that over to dynasty league and that mistake is going to compound over five years and ten years so yeah just make sure you're well aware of the settings and uh, what players are going to where players are are going to be valued I remember uh, a few years ago there was a debate over whether or not Andrew Luck was worth a first round pick in a one QB dynasty league because Andrew Luck could play until he's 40, you know, and well, that didn't, that didn't work out too good. Uh, we got a question. And so like, as we get questions in, let's just uh, address those and then we'll move yeah. back to the structured format. Uh, but I believe it's Garrett and I cut, I cropped off the name, so I missed it, but uh asked, would I be stupid to not get Traylon Burks with my top, with my two top five picks this year? I don't like him at all, but the fantasy hype makes me think I could trade him for 2023 first later on. And so I would argue against that. Um, I think I have Traylon Burks, like maybe pick number seven or eight in a one QB dynasty league. Uh, but I, I don't think that thesis is is correct because the way I viewed Traylon Burks was that I don't think he is going to be ready year one. Obviously there's this amazing opportunity in Tennessee and maybe they just scheme him touches, but I saw a very raw prospect who is not very accomplished playing the actual role of wide receiver. Just a lot of screens in college, a lot of go routes, and that's just about it. I comped him to LaVisca Chanel and you know, that's not necessarily a criticism. Sure. It didn't work out with LaVisca Chanel, but he was a highly regarded prospect but I think he's raw in the same way as LaVisca Chenault was raw. So if I have a top five pick, I'm, I'm not taking him. 
And I don't think he's necessarily someone who increases in trade value. Uh, though, I mean, Jamison Williams probably is is cheaper this time next year just because of the ACL. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't go that route. I don't know if, if you wanted to comment on that. Yeah, I, I, the one thing I'll, I'll just say, too, is I, I don't know if you want to draft based off of perceived hype or, you know, what you think you can get for a player because you might end up taking a guy that you would have ranked where Scott has him at seven or eight for some people, but then, you know, you go into it thinking, hey, I'm, I'm going to get this for him, and then nobody's interested or nobody's going to pay you what right. you want for the guy. So now now you wasted uh, a pick on the guy, and and also you're not getting what you, you want for him. So if you have him that high, then then maybe maybe you make that pick, but I, I would I would not bank on I can get him for something when you don't really know if you 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 can for sure. My follow up would be a question to the question, and that is what I'm trying to understand: Why couldn't you get a 23 first for the pick as opposed to the player later on? So if, if the ultimate goal here is a 23 first, just trade it for the 23 first. Now we don't need the middleman here. You know you can cut yeah. that out. Maybe you can actually get some uh, juice added on there on the squeeze. I think we got another one here. How about we answer this next one, then we'll we'll move on to the next topic. But uh, Joe asks a question for whenever is the startup the best time to accumulate picks? Feels like a ton of people get hype and reach. So basically, yeah. So the yeah, go ahead. The, the original question is, um, you know, what's the best way to prepare? And I think if you asked instead, like, what's the one thing you need to know uh, in your first ever dynasty startup? And I just know TJ's answer, uh, like the best way to prepare, you know, chat with your owners, uh, the, the fellow owners in the league, become friendly with them, try and figure out what they want, what they're looking to do, uh, really become friendly with them. And the second piece of advice would be trade down as early and as often as possible. We'll, we'll spend some more time on that in a second. And the third piece of advice would be find the biggest dummy in the room and loot the coffers until there's nothing left because if you don't if you don't get there someone else will what, tj you're shaking your head yeah man <laughs> i i mean i i don't fully agree there you know it's the i the thought average. that was your quote verbatim but okay no uh, you can share a sheet many times but you can skin them only once you know that's a, a rounders line that definitely had a had origin before that but um i mean there's truth to it not a bad trader could really totally shake the, the competitive nature of yeah. the league, you know? And I would, to, to agree with you to, at least to an extent, if they're going to make the terrible deal for the assets in question, you might as well be the first one in line. But also, you know, you don't have to absolutely destroy them. You want to keep trade all trade lanes open. And, uh, you know, this By is way, to, TJ whoever's is listening. the greatest trader of all time. I've never seen anything like it where we, we pull off trades where the other party is like so happy and grateful and thankful. And, you know, uh, six months down the road, it's like, wait, how did, how did TJ convince me to uh, give up three first round picks for Kadarius Tony or something like that? And it's just, it's, it's really remarkable. Guy can sell ice to an Eskimo or whatever that, that phrase is, but uh, an amazing trader. So, so we'll have to, ask him for some more trade specific advice later on. All right. So Here's the biggest one. And I was going to just piggyback on this because I, I, there are some of you out there that need to hear this and the ones of you that need to hear this don't want to hear this, but if you're playing poker, you're sitting there with your friends 
you're not going to call someone an asshole and tell them how terrible they are because they check raised you. So if they send an offer you didn't like, don't do the same thing. Don't be that guy. It's a trade offer. If it's that bad, decline it and move on. Move on to the next one. Okay? Yeah, don't get offended. Don't take it yeah. personal. Don't think they're calling you stupid. You don't need to bring emotion into this. Yeah. See, now Especially you got emotion out of me. Yeah. Especially when you're going to be trading with these guys for hopefully a decade. I mean, if that's the intent of this startup, right? I mean, you're going to have different, different trade relationships. And kind of going back to your point, if if you kind of pull that you know finesse trade off one time and then everybody in the, in the chat says, man, this guy got you, then – might affect your your trades later on too, but uh, more 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 trade uh, strategies as as we go on. But back to back to actually drafting. One of the big things is age, right? I, I think that's like the biggest debate for how people rank people in dynasty. I, I'm looking at a, a startup draft I did with a bunch of uh, other Twitter guys who, who make content, and you know Cooper Cup is a first round pick in redraft. Cooper Cup in this one, this was a couple months ago went in the the fourth round. I mean, so that kind of gives you a perspective of how this specific league kind of looked at at age and it's going to vary league to league, but uh for for you guys um when it comes to, you know, getting youth and focusing on having a younger team or being competitive and not, you know, caring as much about age, uh how, how do you, how do you look at that because I I think that's what affects how a draft really goes. Uh Scott, what's your thoughts, man? Yeah, so I, I was saying when I, I joined that first league up against TJ, I did I tried to win now and later, and it didn't really work out. And you know, I, I mean, I won once and like whatever. I so I'm I, I'm still out of profit. How many ever years into this league I'm in? But uh, at the same time, it's like every year my team got progressively worse and worse and worse. I traded future rookie picks, and TJ took the opposite approach. And this is the approach I've since adopted in all my leagues where. He's not necessarily trying to win year one. He's trying to win year two or three and then five years in a row where he's really built a juggernaut. And so he does not uh, draft older players. He goes as young as possible uh, because you don't want those declining assets that that they're harder to trade year after year. And like the, the trade value is lower and lower. And it's like, just like psychologically, it's like sort of depressing. Whereas like his teams get better year after year after year. And so he is a very frequent trader. He trades down throughout the draft as much as possible. He acquires as many rookie round one picks and two and three and four, but mostly round one picks as much as possible. And then he, he has a juggernaut by year three, year four. TJ, is that about right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Trading down is certainly preferable to trading up. And like you said, volume is the big key. You know, if you trade down once, don't be afraid to do it again. Keep doing it. Keep compounding. Keep on accumulating assets. I mean, no, not one of us is perfect. Some of us might be better than others at player evaluation, drafting players. But at the end of the day, number of assets matters. You know, even if your hit rate is fantastic, you need to have more assets than the other guy to have the, the most favorable number of assets that hit. So number of assets is absolutely crucial. And like you said, that really begins to pay off year two, year three. But uh, at the end of the day, if you enter a draft, say there are six, seven guys wanting to do the same thing. They all want to punt. They all want to trade down. Zagging when they zig is always going to be the most important, uh, the most important thing. So if you're, you're seeing this play out and now all of a sudden you're in a situation where you can walk into a one to two year winner uh, 
without having to give up way too much of the capital for the future. Uh, maybe you only have to trade one first round pick. Uh, you know, you keep your first round pick two years out. You just move up in the startup using startup capital and that one future first round pick and the later picks. Now, when you have essentially these six, seven other owners bidding for the services, even if it's not your preferred strategy going in, you have to be flexible. You have to be ready to take that value. And I've walked into situations like that. Uh, Some have worked out, some haven't. It It is much harder to walk into a win now situation and make it sustainable at all. But in 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 economics, there's the notion of, of time preference, which is just that universally everyone seems to agree that a dollar today is more valuable than a dollar tomorrow. And then interest rate is just the cost of a, a dollar a day uh, today instead of at a later date. And so ideally the optimal strategy is to have that lower time preference. Be okay punting year one because typically there's more teams trying to win now or win now and later. And there's also in Dynasty, you're you're rewarded for having a bad team, especially in year one. That's why I like to punt certain positions and ensure myself of, of landing the 101 the following season, which, which can be a massive payoff as it sh- certainly was last year with Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts and Najee Harris. That, that top three pick was so valuable and so worthwhile. But what TJ is talking about is like in some, certain leagues, you might find there's a negative interest rate where every team is full on punting. And I, I found that in the charity leagues that I, I run or, you know, fantasy point subscriber leagues where it's not uh, industry people. Industry people I found typically want to win now. And so when that happens, then I'll zag because that's where all the value is. There's a negative interest rate. All right. The value is in winning now. So in Curtis's black crown league, I went win now and I sold off all my future rookie picks and I finished in, uh, I made it to the championship round in each of the two years of its existence. We're like, okay, sure. My team's going to get worse every year, but that's where the value is. And like, I do that again with the chance of, you know, I win it two years instead of finishing second place. I, my buy-in is paid, paid for, for 16 years. Right. Um, so again, it really depends on where the value is. And that might not typically be something you'll, you'll find out until like round three, but in, in most dynasty leagues, you know, everyone's drafting young players the first three rounds anyway. With, uh, you know, we mentioned like three times now pick trading and and trading down. And and I've also been in some startups too, where it seems, seems like a lot of guys are are trying to do that just because they can capitalize on some more, more value, um, with, with, with doing so. And, you know, for the brand new dynasty player, though, they they might be hearing this and, and saying, like, well, what does trading down mean? Like, what, what do you mean? I, I, I'm i losing my first to get what? Because uh, I I've been in, in drafts myself like a couple of years ago where I wanted to trade down. But do I you know give up a first and a in a fifth for a second and a third? Or how, how do you kind of approach that if you've never done something like that before? Because, again, I mean, it's it, it might be brand new to the, the entire room for trading picks in a draft. Uh, is something coming to mind? So, so, so I brought this oh, up. Let, on me, our, let me grab this real fast. Got, all right, you got it. Because we, we need to, to differentiate future rookie picks between startup picks because there's a massive difference. Now, if you're talking about a first-round startup pick, that's worth in the neighborhood of three to three-and-a-half future rookie first-round picks. Okay? Uh, if you're talking about one randomly placed a uh, future rookie pick a year out, you're probably talking about a mid seventh round startup pick. 
So I just wanted to have that bit of context out there before we kept going on that. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, Scott. Now, how about just the uh, the actual startup picks? Uh, because I, I I've seen some where they rarely touch the rookie picks. Maybe they they say you got to pay for those picks, and half the room doesn't. Something along those lines. So how about the startup picks? That's, yeah, a, good, so, that's a great point, though. That's a great point. So when I'm in a, a, a draft with TJ, a startup draft, uh, we will trade more than anyone. We will trade down more than anyone. And a mistake I used to make was I, I would trade far down. And TJ corrected that. And he was like, no, 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 you want to you stay close to where you were because you could trade down again and trade down again. That's really where all the value is. And then it, it multiplies. So a great example is I was in a recent league with, with Curtis, who we all know, like I did the recent show with Sean Siegel, TJ and Curtis. I would say those are the three best dynasty players. So we all have a sort of similar strategy. And Curtis, the lucky bastard he is, he landed the 101. And I was just like, all right, the league's, he, the league's over, like not really, but like his odds of winning are exponentially better than any, anyone else, just because the 101 is such a cheat code. And it's not necessarily that Josh Allen is so much more valuable than Mahomes or Justin Herbert. It's that uh, you could trade down and then trade down again. And that's exactly what he did. So he moved the 101 for the 103. He picked up basically a free round four startup. He moved up from round 18 to round 10 and he got two firsts, like just insane. And so then he's at the, the 103 and he drafts Justin Herbert. And it's like, are you telling me the difference between Justin Herbert and Josh Allen is two future firsts plus the 410, which is what DJ Moore and, you know, an 18 to 10 bump, which is like absolutely massive. And so like after that trade, I'm like, all right, all right, Curtis won this league. It's like over basically because it's so hard to compete against that. I think I did a good job, but I mean, just unreal maneuvering from him. But like that, this is what you see in these startups is like people way overpay on uh, moving up. And it's like, there's, there's a hubris there, an intellectual hubris overconfidence where, oh, I need to get my guy. I'm sure this guy is so much better than this guy going six picks behind him. And they're not looking into the injury risk that that entails, but like TJ and I, we'll, not, we'll do that. We'll pick up uh, a future round run round one uh, rookie pick. And like that pick is never going to lose value, at least in the next year. They're not, they can't get hurt because, you know, that player hasn't been drafted yet. And it's like a bonus round seven startup pick. Like TJ was saying, if it's like a perfectly average one and, uh, and, and people just overestimate like, uh, the value of moving up, like moving, moving up early versus moving up later. So, you know, we'll, we'll move back from 110 to 204, but we'll get a bump from eight to six, which I think like six is oftentimes a sweet spot. Um, and so I don't know, TJ, anything to add on that? Well, it is a sweet spot, but also, I mean, the sweetest spot for me, I feel like rounds say eight to 12 in startups are Super almost, fun. yeah, they're almost always just given away. And I feel like, especially if you're going the opposite direction, you can absolutely stack starters in that range. You can completely, if you start with the zagging, like we said earlier in uh, the negative interest situation and you start with a build where you have these studs in place and now you need the starters, you just need to fill out your starting lineup. My God. I mean, it, you, you can definitely find high-end short-term starters there, and it's very easy to do. 
and often second year players that maybe weren't perfect as rookies, but <laughs> that that to me the, that eight to twelve range, round eight to twelve, is where I tend to uh, end up with all the picks. And if it's in a trade down, trade down, trade down spot, like Scott and I have done plenty of times and talked about, that's where we end up starting to just stack players and start using our draft picks because that future capital is no longer available. Uh, or at least not at the level that we were trying to buy previously. So <laughs> I guess that that's probably the biggest reason why I end up drafting so many players in that range. But uh, th- that is where. where this is where it gets really tricky. Though. This is where it gets tricky is you have to win these trades. You have to be getting your values worth. And it's hard to describe how to do that because like someone listened to one of my older podcast and was like hey i trade down every single round what do you think and their team was like really bad and they didn't they only have like three extra firsts and i'm like well you just didn't get enough value and like it's it's hard for me to express that uh good friends of the show uh oh no a different joe so joe is saying in one league is that crunchy boys joe well joe is saying in one league i think you guys ended up trading down to the point of having seven or eight 2021 uh round firsts yeah, so uh, we're in more than, more than one league, but yeah. Th- this is either year two or year three. And listen to this team. You start 11, super flex, tight end premium. Just listen to this, Nick. I, I got to roster bait. You got to let me roster bait here. All right. Quarterbacks. You have to plug it. Quarterbacks. Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Drew Locke, Tua, Zach Wilson. Is that is that six starters? That's six starters. All right. I, I digress. Running backs. Nick Chubb, Michael Carter, Melvin Gordon, Najee Harris, Kareem Hunt, David Montgomery, Rashad Penny, Tony Pollard, Javante Williams. Wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, D.K. Metcalf, John Mechie, Rondale Moore, George Pickens, Amari Rogers, Jalen Waddell, Christian Watson. Tight ends, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts. And, and it sounds like there's a decent amount of roster spots there. So it's not like you're you're in a 10-team, 20-player. No, player this is a 12-team league that we are going to dominate for the next eight years. It's just like this is what happens when we continually traded down and we continually acquired 2021 picks. I think we had like seven 2021 picks, and, and we both Same. intentionally went that route. We were a little sour on 2022. We were really high on 2021. And like that draft also fell perfectly to us where um, we, I mean, yeah, we got all the good guys. We got Najee Harris. We got Kyle Pitts. We got Jamar Chase. We got Elijah Moore. We got, actually, this is the one league I don't own Elijah Moore, but we got a bunch of studs. And in, in closer to uh, to actual rookie draft, like you ain't, you ain't getting that, all that. I mean, you, you have to do it in advance like that. Um what, what, I mean, what about- like, the team is insanely stacked and everyone's under the age of 25. And I think we might have two round one picks next year. Like it's just, it's we an unfair every, at that every point. Every single league we have at least two in 23. Well done, TJ. I know that's all you. So side question with that team. So with a team like that, you just establish this team for the next seven, 10 years. I, I don't know, whatever your timeline is, how, how much activity do 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 you guys typically have beyond that? When you know, hey, I'm I'm set now, and I'm set with these future picks. Are you guys still pretty active in in leagues like this? Yeah, TJ is really active. The one thing we have to worry about is like everyone's just like, well, this is unfair, and so <laughs> you know, I could see people rage quitting. So instead of just winning every single year and do- dominating and 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 getting you know twelve x the buy in. 
uh, we're going to have to play commissioner and, you know, find people to take orphans. It's the only way. Yeah. But I will say we, we've entered in a por- partnership fantasy points with my FFPC, which uh, does a bunch of dynasty leagues. I really like their triflex format, which is super flex tight end premium. And they've never had a league fold. What they do is you, you put in your buy-in and then if you ever end a deposit, so then if you ever bail, they give someone willing to take an orphan free money. So they've been doing this for five, six, seven years, and they've never had a league fold. So again, uh, we have a partnership with them. Well, more details to come, but I highly recommend uh, FFPC Triflex if that's something you're worried about is building a juggernaut and then having it fold. With uh, with pick trading, last question with pick trading. Uh, we, we talked a lot about trading down. Um, there's still going to be people that want to trade up and, and go and get one of their guys. Um, my my question to you guys is: I'm I'm looking at a draft board now. I'm I'm a big Jerry Judy guy. I I, I am. I see him in the set uh, the seventh round. He's slipping towards the eighth. I'm I'm not picking for a while. Do you think in a startup draft for that specific pick that I want to go and grab Judy at the seven ten? Is it harder to? move up and trade for that specific pick or do you think it would be harder to go and trade for Jerry Judy following the draft like the actual player do you guys ever think about about that my experience is it's easier to buy picks and players you know because the person who ends up drafting that player at the slot you were looking to or in the neighborhood values them at that same level yeah. so yeah. now that they have them in hand they're going to put that extra tax on you when you're coming to buy so I, I think it's always, always better to buy the pick, not the player. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule, but uh, I'm always going to aim for the pick. And, and, and I'll just reiterate, Steve? it's so important to talk to these owners because they value these picks differently. They have different preferences. And so I'll be in a league where the cost to move up with, with four owners from round eight to round seven is uh, – insanely high and you see the trades made and you're like, that's crazy, but you could just find the right one or two owners who was like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll, I'll take a rookie round four. And you're like, what, how does that make any sense given the trades you've seen just made? But that's how it is. It's just, it, you, you, that's why TJ is like uh, for the average person, like startup draft, they're just like, Oh, whatever. This is fine. I'll, I'll have a notification on my computer. But, but yeah. TJ is like really working this like a full-time job or, Every single pick, he's talking to someone. He's like, "Oh, great pick! What do you, what do you, how do you liking your team? What do you think?" Blah blah blah. And so, like, that is just so important. So you, you have to be really engaged, really active, and and reading the temperature of the room. Sleep and work suffer when I'm doing startups. It's for certain. It really does, man. It's 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 wild to watch this man work, but he is <laughs> the best dynasty player I've ever seen. That's why he's my my partner. I was about to say, hey, it sounds like you, uh, you picked the right guy when it comes to this. So, um, I'm again, I'm looking at a draft board now and and seeing how some of the some of the picks went through, and and you see like back to back picks, like you know, for this one, Austin Eckler and AJ Brown went went back to back, and I think another one, DeAndre Swift and CD Lamb went pretty close. So when when Scott, when you're drafting, uh, is the longevity of a position, something that, that you take into account, because I know some people will say, you know, you mentioned going zero running back, which again means you might fade off the position for a while. Do you, is that something you think about when, when drafting saying, Hey, I, you know, CD lamb swift, I might get five years out of swift. I might get 10 out of CD lambs. Is that, is that a factor people should think about? 
Yeah, I mean, when when tiers dry up at positions, you know, ideally you're at the the back end of the tier. You're not immediately starting right uh, starting it off. When that ha- so TJ and I try methodically, very calculatingly to position ourselves to be right at the tail end of a tier. And in instances where the well dries up right in front of us, we'll be assholes where we'll just sit up, sit on the clock the entire time and ping everyone like, Hey, what are you trying to do? You're trying to trade out. You're trying to trade out. You're trying to, cause we don't, don't make us take this guy when the guy we wanted and value so much more just went the pick in front of us. But uh, I have a, I have a follow-up question for, for TJ. What happens yeah. When you're in a league where you can't make any trades, because I'm in a league right now with Joe Pano, friend of the show, and uh, it's an FFPC league, and I'm just like kind of being lazy with it, and like didn't like any of the uh, conversations I've had back and question, forth but go on. with with uh, these owners. So I haven't made a single trade back, and I like hate it. And uh, we have we have Kyle Pitts, tight end premium, Najee Harris and DK Metcalf. And I wasn't like super amped to take DK Metcalf. I wanted to trade down. I just couldn't find anything. So like, imagine you're in a league with zero trade backs. Remember, we just talked about how that's where all the optimality is, uh, the the recommended approach. But let's say you can't. What what, what do you do? I, all I have to fall back on is, is really knowing where the value is. And so again, like running backs, are, should be less valuable in dynasty startups. I, when do I want to draft a running back? Ideally in the rookie draft, you know, so I'm I'm getting them at their youngest running backs are typically immediate year one producers. If they're high end running backs, like Brees Hall could be a bell cow right off the bat. Uh, So I'm going to punt RB two, and then quarterback is the most valuable uh, in a super flex and the last, the longest, but the, the well just kept, dying right in front of me. So I think what I'm going to do is if I wanted to go win now, which I, again, I I typically, or like win now and later, which I typically don't, I like to commit to one strategy or the other is drafting like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson for cheap or for, you know, Matt Ryan, Davis Mills, Daniel, Daniel Jones for really cheap. And then just load up on, on wide receivers until then. TJ, what would your recommendation be for me here? I don't have a specific direction to point you in, but I'm telling you, you have to pick a direction and then do it with conviction. So you either have to sell the guys you already have and just completely change what you started doing, or you have to go ahead and say, okay, yeah, we're we're all in for this season. We're going to win right now. But I mean, this is still a young. Don't have team, asset. Though. Just don't have asset. Anything you I don't. Know. I know. So that's always my recommendation: is don't have asset. And I'm aware. But you, you just said you just said bit. I was a little bit lazy with it to this point, and yeah. that's what I said. But I mean, you know, all my guys, question. all my guys are 24 or younger, so I can still go win later. Well, a 24 year old running back isn't necessarily 24 or younger. You know, you, you have five. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like I, I never really look at running backs much after the rookie contract, maybe a year or two. Najee's no, I think it's safe to. Yeah, him. it's safe to with super high end guys that are already given a workload and performing in a situation like Najee. I think you can definitely look past the first contract with him. But if we're talking about a lesser guy that maybe was okay, I'm trying to think of somebody that would come to mind here. And I'm drawing a blank. I mean, um, there's there's Joe Mixon, 
Antonio Gibson, who I'm not going to take for sure. Dalvin Cook, yeah, Henry, J.K. Dobbins, Alvin Kamara. I think I'm just you know fading all those guys and punting RB two with like you know James White and uh, okay. and hoping for the best. You know, you're just cuffing everyone. You're taking all the cuffs at that point, right? Yeah, just loading up with. All right. With uh, you mentioned uh, Scott, you just mentioned um, super flex with the quarterback position. I think that's a uh, let's touch on that before we, we move on to um, may, maybe maybe pivot down to, to TJ. Um, some people have never played in super flex leagues, so you know how how do you approach uh, a super flex draft with the quarterback position? Because I know some guys like I, I've in the past faded the the quarterback, and it kind of bit me in the ass later. But I've also gone like my first two picks. Uh, now I have my two anchors, and just fill out the rest. Do you have a, a certain approach with uh, with super flex quarterbacks? Uh, yeah, and if if you're talking about what you need to be successful right away, I think QB one is an absolute need. QB two is something of a luxury that you can uh, mix and match. You don't have to have this every week starter that you know is super reliable, but is also maybe only gaining your team three to four points per week. So uh, I'm definitely more flexible with QB2. I can feel like that can be resolved with uh, just just simply depth. Uh, Doesn't have to be high-end guys either, especially if it's truly adding uh, viability to the rest of your starting lineup uh, compared to what having that second quarterback would be. But uh, QB1 is something I do like to have in hand. Uh, Where are you at on that, Scott? Uh, what was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, probably, probably just uh, on Superflex in general, QB1 again. versus QB2. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, so so again, what, I, what I just alluded to, I think that's a viable strategy is, is you know, because the, the quarterbacks everyone wants are pushed all the way at the top. It does create some value for these, like, super old quarterbacks, like, uh, like what's the difference between Derek Carr going, who's 31 going in round three versus, and I love Derek Carr, uh, especially in redraft uh, versus like Matt Ryan in round 13 or Tom Brady in round 11. Aaron Rodgers is going in round three, round four. And, you know, he, he might play the same length as uh, Tom Brady throughout the remainder or, or Zach Wilson and Mac Jones were like, granted, they're not the power law quarterbacks. They're, they don't have, the Konami code upside. And I don't think they're going to be Justin Herbert levels of awesome arm talents, but I mean, they could be, and they're just, they're so young and they're still so cheap. So, um, but yeah, I, ideally you want uh, a quarterback in round one of a super flex. You want a really good QB one. I always said I only trade down, but my one exception is I might trade up for Patrick Holmes with the one one. I mean, I think Josh Allen's overtaken him, especially with with Tyreek no longer there. But that was that was my my approach. You know, he'll play for another fifteen years, and he's freaking awesome. He's a legend. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, like, and 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 it's a position I, I'm willing to punt, especially QB two, just in that uh, they're going to be cheaper, like running backs in rookie drafts than startups. For, I, with, for the, in addition for, to the for, list for, of guys you just mentioned, I, you can aim even lower. I mean, you look in the eighth and ninth round, I can point out a 25-year-old quarterback with round one pedigree that I can essentially will guarantee will be a starter for at least this year and next, even if he isn't on the same team this year. Sound oh, familiar, gosh, Scott? who are you talking about? 
Is it Sounds Baker? Familiar? You might root for him. Daniel Jones. Oh, I know. I mentioned yes, Daniel sir. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninth round. I mean, we'll see. I, the B writers are think there might be a quarterback controversy with Tyrod, but no, oh. we'll see. At, at last quarterback question, just I'm just throwing this one out there. At what point do you think you you pivot to a non quarterback in a super flex for the first round? You got a sp- specific pick range? Like I'm I'm looking at a board. Uh, Taylor and Jefferson went at four and five. Chase went at seven. The rest was pretty much quarterbacks. Uh, Pitts went at the end of the first round. Is there a specific spot where you, you you're drafting six, seven? I, I don't know that you're like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till next round for that quarterback. I essentially see no difference between QB four and QB 12. So I'm eagerly trying to trade back there. So the, that's my personal opinion. I mean, there is such minimal difference in splitting hairs. And if you can actually get something of value to let somebody else make that choice for you, and then you still get one of those guys, that's just the easiest thing, easiest thing for me. All right. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll throw this one out there pretty quick, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm approaching a dynasty startup, just speaking on players, uh, Lamar, I, I mentioned Judy earlier, uh, Swift, uh, Elijah Moore. I might later, later take a guy like Komet. Like I have a couple guys that, that come to mind are, you know, typical Nick script targets. Scott, do you got a, do you have a, a list of typical Scott Barrett dynasty startup targets? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just not great off the cuff. Um, I don't know. I'll I got, a, do I got a small list stuff. ready. If you, you go ahead. Um, buddy. Yeah, I'll give you say, I, I got my personal, like five guys. I'm, I'm usually taking Swift. I'm usually taking, Commit later. I'm usually taking Elijah Moore. Like I got my typical like four or five guys personally. So I I tend to have my guys, and this is a conversation Scott and I seem to have every year. And he's just like, you know, you're right. He's always like, you're right. When it's my guys, and it's guys I have to have and continuously have to keep drafting, they don't come with cost attached. They got to be like a third round rookie picker later. So if you're right, you are absolutely raking. But if you're wrong, there's essentially no cost to it. The the diversification should come with more costly guys. So just looking back to last year and a guy who is on my needs to be on all my teams list still, and this is actually uh, in direct uh, opposition to you, Nick, is KJ Hamler. Uh, I I, I truly believe he's the best pass catcher on the Broncos. I think he's going to show that this year with Russ. And he still costs nothing. So I want him on every team I can get him on. And I'm going to keep drafting him there. Um, just some other guys off the top, or not even off the top of my head, but a post-hype guy that can truly pay off his ADP right now is CEH, uh, 100th overall. Uh, Kadarius Tony, 134th overall. Christian Kirk, 135th overall. Uh, Calvin Ridley, 172nd overall. If you're punting this year, if you're in a startup and you're moving back, 172nd overall. Calvin Ridley, there's your guy. And, uh, actually, Deshaun Watson's going to be an amazing pick too once he's suspended for the full year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And here's one that is less sexy RSJ, 225th overall in the tight end premium league. I would be shocked if he was not a top 15 tight end this season. Wow. Uh, I will just say too, you asked us our favorite formats. Uh, TJ and I definitely prefer uh, having the rookie draft before the actual NFL draft. And so that could pay off in a big way if you're paying attention. Like I was telling TJ how much I loved Tyquan Thornton, Wandale Robinson, uh, guys like that who were projected to go round five. And I'm like, there's no way they don't go day two. 
And so we just made a massive profit on those two guys. Um, but also there's just like nothing more fun than watching, as you can attest, Nick, you were there watching the uh, at live NFL draft and rooting for your guys. It's like, oh, I had Drake London wide receiver one. He goes wide receiver one. Yep. Awesome. Yep. That's sick. Or uh, um, this guy, uh, Sky Moore, if you like Sky Moore, oh, it's the perfect landing spot. Christian Watson, perfect landing spot with good draft capital. The uh, the rookie draft before, some, somebody mentioned this this too, the, the hype's real with the uh, the rookie drafts before the NFL draft. And, and we did one with, uh, again, a bunch of Twitter guys that throw out content all the time. And watching Malik Willis go 102 oh. in the Superflex League. And then we have the NFL draft that makes the NFL draft even crazier. We went, we, I was in a startup draft before the NFL draft. So this is again, this is a startup. Malik Willis went in the early second round. That says everything you need to know right there. I mean, ma- major yeah. risk, hey, major risk. Do you know, we ended up with the Willis share in the first round of a rookie draft. Uh, yeah, in every league we, we drafted and we have, we have quite a few of the draft before the NFL draft. I don't believe Willis went past 102. Oh, yeah. So here we come on the clock at a 104 and Willis is available. And, you know, it was uh, he fell. Breeze Walker Wilson. Yeah, Breeze right. Walker Wilson off the boards. It just seemed like value. So we actually uh, we got penalized at 104 uh, taking Willis. But I think that's yeah, only one, only one. Yeah. And it was just sort yeah. of like an arbitrage play where, you know, the unanimous 101 supposedly. We don't have any shares. I think we're QB needy. So, so uh, I, I want to finish finish things off at, at the end, just kind of picking your guys' brains about co-managing. But we, we talked a lot about tradings, and I and and it sounds like TJ that you're you're the, the scientist at trading. Let, let's say let's say the startup's done. Startup is done. I I actually uh, last night I was doing a a thread about um, just dynasty trading. You know, I was just throwing out little tidbits with with an explanation. You know, just having the the focus on making the team in the direction you want it to be and identifying the other team's needs in the the uh, the deal that you want to make and capitalizing on overperformances. And I threw like Travis Fulgham, you know, in that uh, as an example. And I just was going through and just little tidbits of trade advice just for Dynasty because, again, people are new to Dynasty and people also are very hesitant because they don't want to jack up their team for the next 10 years or whatever the case is. So this, does does a piece of advice come, come to mind for you? And we can have a whole show on this, but um, – What's something you can tell somebody for just dynasty trading in general that uh, comes to mind? Okay, dynasty trading in general, and I'm going to break this up into two responses. Uh, you mentioned the first startup. So you know what? You might botch your first startup. You might have a terrible team. You might take years to recover. But whatever you do, do it with conviction. Don't be the guy on the sidelines afraid to make a move. You know, you could be wrong. It could work out terribly. And it could take you a couple years to recover. But you know what? What if it doesn't? What what if you get it right? And what if you had fun making these deals? What if you had fun making these friends? What if you win? You know, what's the problem with that? So whatever you do, don't be afraid to pull the trigger on what you think is right. And you'll find out over time if it's right or wrong. And that's a part of the learning curve. That's a process. Enjoy it. Enjoy the process. It's not a destination. Uh, As far as trading in general, like you said, when the startup's over, say, okay, oh, man, I ended up with this guy. I didn't want to draft him. I still don't want him on my team. Well, you know what? Now is the time where you take a value loss. Sometimes you have to do it. That's okay. Um, you're not going to win every trade. And if you do, you're not going to have a lot of trading partners. So, you know, it, you're not trying to make 100% net profit on every trade. You're 
not going to win every trade. So sometimes you just understand, you look at ADP, you say, look, I personally prefer player A to player B that I have on my team, and player A is going three rounds later in startups. You know what? Maybe I screwed up. I'm just going to offer this straight up and take what I can get. You know, that guy will remember that next time he wants a trade. He's probably going to come to you first, so that's okay. Yeah. You don't always have to win a trade. I, I think Adam Harstad always says, uh, if you've won every trade you've ever made, you're not trading nearly enough. And that's just so true. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. I think that's an overemphasis. And in, 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 in almost like the you see like fantasy Twitter, like who won this trade? The calculator said this. But at the end of the day, it's like, did your team get better? Did you fill out some needs? And I feel like that's o- always an overemphasis on winning and losing trades. And, and you, it's fine to lose trades. It really is. I am so glad you said a magic word that should be addressed, especially if you're a the newer C-word. dynasty player. The C word, the C world, uh, the trade calculator. The C world. <laughs> also, that, yeah. Easy for me to say. But honestly, that gives you a ballpark, okay? It gives you a, perhaps a consensus of other people's rankings and valuations. It gives you a ballpark. It's far from absolute. Uh, if you're seeing something that you think is fair and the calculator says you're winning, the other guy says, well, the calculator says this, okay, move on to the next one. But if you see one that you think you're losing, you can beat the calculator. It is not hard to do. Sometimes you only have to wait a month, but you can absolutely beat the calculator. Don't be afraid to make a move you want to make. That's a great point. Great point. Uh, how about you, Scott? What, what comes to mind trading just after the startup? You know, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to trade. Uh, anything you can tell me? Yeah, again, just really talk to everyone, put in that work. You might value Jerry Judy as much as CeeDee Lamb, right? But uh, the guy who owns Jerry Judy might value him as much as KJ Hamler. And you might have Noah Fant, who you've written off as dust after the Seattle trade, but he still views him as like a premium talent. You could work something out where you're both extremely happy. And uh, that really... Uh, trading is net EV on the whole, where the more trades, the more not only you win, but the person you're trading with wins. And like we've been saying, you know, don't be afraid to lose a trade. It's it's one of those things where you take one step backwards, but you take two or three steps forward every time uh, you make a series of trades. Let me piggyback on that. That's great. So let's just create this tiny little flow chart for trading. Ideally, you're giving a player I want to sell for a player I want to buy. And you talk this through, that isn't going to work out. So now the next two items on the flow chart, a player I don't really want to sell for a player I want to buy. Or a player I want to sell for a player I'm on the fence about buying. Either way, you're putting yourself in a better position on your own valuations. So you can trust them. Just go down that flow chart and don't be afraid to just throw out many options because sometimes it's just finding that right combination of things that gets the deal done and then everyone's happy. Do, do you guys have issues? And this, this kind of goes into my, my, my last question uh, for the show, but um, and I'll have another one after, but uh, about co-managing because I've never co-managed a team. I... I'm, I'm stubborn as hell and I feel like I, I'd have some difficulties doing so. And, uh, but I've also heard from like you guys and some other guys that uh, it, it's great. It's a lot of fun. It, it, it makes you learn from each other a little bit um, specifically about trading. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about it afterwards, but is, is that an issue maybe with you two just specifically, do you guys have issues making deals because of, I don't know, may, maybe butting heads on values or 
TJ wants to move on for a guy from a guy, and Scott's like, no, that's that's our lock. Uh, how's that been working out for you guys through your time co-managing? Let, let's each for sure. let's let's each give one thing we're pissed about. Uh, <laughs> For, for times the other ones held us back. I know exactly what you're going to say. Uh, I, I'll say last year, I was like, I do not want to leave a draft without Elijah Moore. TJ was like, I do not want to leave a draft without Rondale Moore. So there was like maybe one, I think there were three leagues where we left the draft without Elijah, but but TJ, like to appease me, went out and traded for him. I think there's only one league where I don't have Elijah, where we do have Rondale, but it's that insanely stacked one we talked about before. TJ, what's what's the one thing you're still salty about? Let me pull out my scroll. <laughs> He's like, I, I knew this topic would Who, come up. I, it's going to be such the dumbest thing. Yeah, you knew exactly what it was. We got off uh, what's going to be a high 23 second round pick last season for Robbie Anderson. I'm like, we have to take this. And uh, we didn't end up taking it, but that's okay. I was like, that was Sam Darnold's guy. You know, we need we need the production <laughs> now. And, uh, yeah, he's still salty about that. No, so, like, it can be very tricky to, to be co-managers with someone. And there were times where we were really at each other's throats in startups. Uh, and those were, that's, like, our one bad team or not bad team, but just not super dominant and still, like, a high playoff team. Um, we, but, but really team we, over though, this off season. Oh yeah. That team's, know, that team's one, yeah. 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 All our teams are insane. <laughs> sorry. 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 Uh, yeah. I mean like there's definitely been rough spots. Uh, I think in DFB, we, we got really, uh, frustrated with each other. So we like traded off picks for maybe four rounds where it's like, all right, I pick my guy, then you pick your guy, then I pick my guy. Uh, but I mean, really we have the most amazing chemistry in the world and it's, Part of it is just because we've learned to trust each other. We're, we've seen the results and it's like, all right, you know what? And like TJ is just like so dominant with trading and going out specifically to get my guys and getting them at a good price that I, I really like, okay, TJ, do whatever you want here. Oh, you want KJ Hamler in literally every single league and this guy's giving you a hard time, you know, go ahead and do it. Things like that. So, uh, and it, it just still, it works out in the long run. And, and the, the crazy thing is TJ's right more often than he's wrong. And like, even if I'm vehemently against him, it's, it's no better or worse than 50, 50 at that point. Have you guys uh, just playing in these leagues with co-managers? Have you guys seen a lot of turnover just because of managers button heads and, and not really uh, being on the same page? Is that, is that a big thing? Like I I'm, I'm actually gen- generally uh, genuinely asking this question because I have not played in the league. Is that, is that a big I issue? No, I would truly say leagues, or teams with co-owners leave far less frequently than teams that are solo. Yeah. I would never yeah. guess that. More, more engagement as well. Yeah. And I'll say I, I also have another partner, uh, Danny Kelly. I think I'm in like three leagues with him. Just He's a good friend and it's fun to do these. And uh, the, the teams are all really, really good. Maybe just not as good be, because I lost TJ's trade expertise. Uh, but we work really well and we, we both found our niches where, uh, Danny doesn't want to handle trades at all. He hates that. He hates negotiation. So I do that and I hate waivers. So he handles waivers and start sit is like more of a conversation, but mostly him. And, uh, it, it works, it works really well having that sort of fragmented approach, but I, I haven't had any major issues with a, a co-owner but now i'm in with one with joe pano currently ongoing so oh, we'll see how that come goes. the issues 
but no, it's, <laughs> no. it's hilarious you say that because my conversations with Danny are, you know, like, buddy, you're better than me at player evaluation. Just pull the damn trigger. You know, like you can do this. So, so know, some people like, are yeah. so scared that, you know, the other team is getting the upper hand on him on them. And part of this, of course, is because like, he knows what I've said about you and that you're, I don't know how you do it, but you just like never lose trades and you just always win trades. And so he's probably like, especially nervous around you because of all I've gassed you up. But yeah, like that, that hurts you. Like some people are like too scared of getting taken advantage of, or they have to make like be confident that they're winning. Like you, you do in fantasy, in startups, in redraft, in best ball, you need to have, like he was saying with my recent startup, you need to have a strategy. You need to have conviction. And like, if that's your guy and your ranks say you have them above this other guy, go ahead and do it. Who cares what ADP says? I don't. Well, I mean, don't give away two rounds of ADP. I mean, if you can, well, of course, if you can that, take yeah, a value yeah. loss. I mean, trade after, because one thing TJ does that always like surprises me is he like starts off like shockingly low, but then continually works up and stays with it. Doesn't get disgruntled, doesn't get, and then, and then, so like, it's not like there's a happy medium. It's, it's, it's like, there's like a psycho psychology thing here where you start so low that the other person kind of settles for less than the otherwise should have. That's something you do. That's that you do pretty well. Um, so be cognizant of that if you're getting offers like that, but also if you're trading, like don't be afraid to start really low. And like, if the person gets insulted, just be like, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what about this? Or what do you think would be more fair? Yeah. Cause that's uh, I mean, that also happens pretty often where you got the screenshot that goes somewhere it probably shouldn't and uh, kind of ruins things for, for later in uh, some deals. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm that guy who who gets offended and gets get like uh, <laughs> where I'm like I'm like no f this guy did you see that offer like screw him I, I hate his guts and TJ's like but he has Elijah we gotta we gotta talk yeah, to him. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, so like all right okay back up the Brinks truck uh, <laughs> all right so so uh, closing the show out if somebody was watching this they've never done a dynasty startup they they've never been in a dynasty league. Uh, last question. What what do they do? I mean, do they go to Twitter? Do they start a group chat? Do they just <clears throat> bite the bullet and become a commissioner? Uh, there's there's that chance that somebody wants to play. Maybe they, they heard the show, but they, they don't know where to go. Uh, what comes to mind? So the first and best option is make your first Dynasty League a home league. Uh, make it with people that you know, most of them. You know, maybe it's extended friends where you might meet a few people. You know, you start with four guys and they start – you know, spreading the web out and uh, you can get just some dynasty experience under your belt, what to expect and what's happening. Then maybe for one season or even for part of an off season, you're just following ADP, following uh, player value movements. The next best option is let's just say that's not feasible. Okay. Let's say that's not feasible. Following the, my fantasy league Twitter page. Uh, Jeff is wonderful. He's always retweeting everything with uh, league availability, with uh, just guys asking questions, uh, wanting to get engagement from the community. And they're really, really good about that. And I guess my next best would be uh, the DLF forums. There's always leagues uh, with openings that you can find in there. What about you, Scott? Well, Scott doesn't like those. Uh, go, to, go to fantasypoints.com, subscribe, check out our dynasty rankings. Uh, if you don't have any friends who you want to start a league with, 
check out myffpc.com. Check out their their TriFlex leagues or some of their other dynasty leagues. I, I, I know you wanted to wrap the show up, Nick, but I, I just have one question. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, oh, also hop in our Discord. Uh, we're really helpful in there. Uh, and if you want to message me privately on Discord or maybe even on Twitter, and uh, I, I can send you some examples of, of trades that TG and I have made in past startups and the value we've got. I should honestly write an article on this and I, I probably will in the next few weeks. Um, uh, yeah. Last question. What about a, a dynasty best ball startup TJ? Cause I was just in one and I, I posted out my team and people like hated my team, but I loved my team. Uh, yeah. And I think what happened, I traded down nonstop I have like 10 round one picks over the next two years. And I love all the players I took too, especially at value. Uh, I think teams really overrate premium assets and they really underrate depth and the importance of depth. And so I really- Particularly in basketball. For sure. Yeah, particularly in basketball, for sure. And I'm not sure I I saw the uh, finished version of that team, but I mean, I'm 100% certain I'll agree with you, you know, if I saw it. So, yeah. I mean, having the depth where, you know, six pretty good guys can go off and you you drafted somebody higher and didn't capitalize on maybe trading down uh, and that guy gets hurt. Now your whole team is a a bit different. So depth is depth is everything in a in a best ball league. That's it. All All right. All right. Scott, anything else with the best ball drafts? Anything to throw out there before we close it out? Uh, No, uh, check out uh, Graham and I two bars worst take tomorrow night. Should be really fun. What, what time is that going to be at? Oh, uh, TBD. Seven? Check the uh, the is Twitter. That, is that, and is that going to be a live stream? Can we just hop on Twitter and find it? Oh, apparently Graham has to reschedule, so you just broke my heart. I've been looking forward oh, to this all, for weeks. Um, all right, so TBD on that. Sorry, guys. Damn it, Graham! Am I going to have to be the better looking replacement? EJ, <laughs> appreciate you joining us, man. I know we we're uh, trying to get this show going, and uh, I'm glad we, glad we got it kicked off. So. 